So what's up, Lauren? Um, it has been, this has been monumentous because like we, uh, this is like the third time we've tried to connect. This is the third time we've tried yeah. to do this together, so, yes. So, so I appreciate you being patient with me because I'm, you know, I'm the dum-dum who cannot organize his life for anything, but uh, luckily I've got- I actually got... think one was my fault too, so I think we're even. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Um, it's well, it's great to have you. I, uh, you know, I don't do a lot of research on people that I have interviews with, but I do get some sort of an idea, um, just because I have some context. But you know, I don't want to just because here's the way that I look at it. I'm like, if I were to meet you like in real life, right, and I just go like stalk you on the internet, and then oh, by the way, I know everything about you. That's creepy as hell. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I just. Who's Lauren? What did she do? Oh, that's cool. She's, you know, she's into this stuff. All right. We got some context to go over. One thing that I really like, um, I, I love a rags to riches story, but what I love more than that is a, a story where you make it, you destroy your life completely after making it, and then you make it all over again. And then those lessons and the trials and the tribulations and, um, you know, the things that you learn along the second time, I think those are the things that really stick. I think a lot of people tend to over, they overestimate like the capacity of the human spirit. And sometimes you've got people that underestimate the capacity of the human spirit. But for, for a lot of times you think that somebody just found success that a it was an overnight success, but it took them 10 years. A lot of times people don't realize that when we, see these individuals who have found or achieved their level, their, their version of what, you know, they call success. It's kind of like this, right? Absolutely. It's like, yeah, they got a, they got a little bit and then, you know, they lost something then they did. And then not, not to, not to mention like all of the variables come into play relationships, family, friendships, um, you know, outside of the financial realm of things. So, you know, you being who you are, I'm sure you've had a, plethora of conversations with people in helping to um, really guide them in life. And I've, it, it's almost like, I, I don't even want to say the term life coach, because I feel like it's got a negative connotation. Same. I feel like coaches in general are, are therapists on steroids that have actually exhibited life and have been able to find the practical strategies and not just theories yeah. to to, to actually help people. And so who are the type of people that you generally work with? Is it all walks of life? Is it entrepreneurs? Is it just, you know, moms? Is it kids? Like, who do you, who do you communicate with on, on a day-to-day -day basis for, for the most part, like your general uh, practice? You know, I didn't set out to necessarily attract this client, but I'm very happy that I did. It sort of happened organically, but I tend to work with the professional person. So the real estate agent, the accountant, the attorney who feels super unfulfilled and feels bad about that. From a personal standpoint or a professional? Both. Because really? a lot of times someone will come to me for business coaching, like they think they want to grow their business or they think they want to do something. Yeah. But the juiciness that we get into from there is like we cannot compartmentalize ourselves to just one part of our lives. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I tend to work with people um, professionally and personally to, to grow in whatever way that they want to grow. 
But I will say that I laugh when you say, you know, life coach can have a bad connotation because I felt the exact same way. I didn't even know what a life coach was really when I started this business, but I had a negative association with it. And I was, and I, my impression of a life coach was someone who's like super hippy dippy, like let's go like burn incense and dance under the moon or something like that. And I knew I didn't fit into that. So when I heard life coach is how you help people, I had a big cognitive dissonance around that. Like, I don't know if that's for me. But when I found out I could like just keep wearing Calvin Klein and not have to wear tie-dye, I was, I was down with it. <laughs> but no, really, I think life coach gets a bad rap because we've all, I think, I don't know, but we've known people who've called themselves a life coach or called themselves a certain kind of coach, and then they're very messy. And so I think it, like any profession, can give it a an interesting connotation. Yeah, you know, it's the, I think it's, for me, it's the... Um the 21 year olds that are on Instagram that have their bio, that they're a life coach, you know, yeah. like I, I'm not taken away from the fact that you may have an expertise in something that I don't, that is profound. And you could be that, you know, that 0.1%, right. Just like Zuckerberg started a billion dollar company right. in college. Like I'm not, I'm not going to take that away from you, but generally speaking, you know, life coaching is a combination of experience and wisdom you know, multiplied and compounded over time with some level of intelligence, because you have to have intelligence to be able to reverse engineer what works and what doesn't work so yes. that you can actually help people and guide them. Almost like, yes. almost like, that's why I always love, that's, that's why like people like yourself, I don't even consider to be a coach. I, I would label you as the guide, like, you know, uh, like mm. Yoda. Like Yoda, Yoda <laughs> wasn't, a, like Yoda wasn't a coach and I'm not a big like star Wars fan. I just, I've always loved this analogy because Yoda wasn't a coach. He was a guide. He was mm -hmm. showing Luke Skywalker what he could do and, and, and guided him. It was, there was like a difference between being training someone, coaching someone and actually guiding someone to be able to, to reveal the things that is in front of them, that lies awake in front of them. Yeah. And, 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 and that's, what's so fantastic about what you do. How did you even get to this point? Like what, what led you to the path of becoming a coach? Well, like I said, I never set out to be a coach. In fact, I was an elementary school teacher. Um, I actually turned That's why you're so coach. good. That's why you're so good. <laughs> anyway, you have sorry. to learn how to break concepts down very simply and say it lots of different ways to be able to get a point across to a child. And actually adults are no different. We all learn differently. Um, but I was a school teacher and I was super... Um, frustrated with how hard I worked for little financial reward. Like I did yeah. feel like I was making an impact, but I also felt like I was up against a ceiling that was never going to go away. And um, around the same time in my life, I had just gotten married and I was feeling inside like the marriage wasn't working, but I was so ashamed because we were so newly married to want to admit that to either him, myself, <clears throat> people around me that I kind of just shoved it down which is what lots of my clients do. You know, I have a longing, I'm noticing something's not working. Okay, I'm just gonna ignore that, swipe it under the rug for now. And this journey of being a coach actually started when um, I, my husband came home one day and he just looked at me and he said, um, I don't think I'm happy. And I was like, not happy with me, not happy with life. And then he said, yeah, you're not my dream girl. And he gave me this list of all the qualities a dream girl would have that I didn't have. And that night that he left, I was sitting up distraught. I mean, I'm, I'm just casually talking about it now as if it were nothing, but I was like completely distraught. Like knowing How long my ago was life this? was going to change. 
And I was going over in my mind all the things that he said, like, if you were a dream girl, you would have these qualities, but you don't have these qualities. And the big rude awakening for me was as I sat there racking my brain, thinking about, do I have any good qualities? Like I couldn't find any good qualities in myself, at least not that I was consciously willing to acknowledge. <coughs> and so what happened there is I realized like, oh, I'm in a lot bigger trouble than I thought. Cause not only is my husband leaving me, I don't like my job, but like, I don't even feel good about myself. And it's not like this all happened in one moment. I think sometimes when we tell our rags to riches stories, we make it sound like this all just happened in one big awareness. It was for sure a process, but I realized like, I don't know what I'm doing and I'm going to need right. help to figure out what I'm doing because I can't even, I'm, my self-esteem is so low. I can't even find one good quality in myself. And the whole journey really began by, by me going on this discovery search. Like there has to be someone who knows how to fix this. Like I cannot be the only person this has ever happened to. And yet I felt super alone. And so my mission became like, if I can just help one, if I can just somehow figure this out and then turn around and help one person with whatever they're struggling with, that seems to be what I want to do moving forward. So that's really how it all started. It was out of necessity and out of the want to help, it started as helping other women. Now I have male clients, women clients, but I just thought like, why do I, I don't want to feel so alone. I know I can't be the only one. So I want to be able to help other people who are going through this kind of stuff. I love that. I love that you were able to take this experience that <clears throat> most people would look at as the biggest negative, this travesty, this thing that can cut you so deeply and you turned it into this, this positive. I mean, you know, that's, that's what I think <clears throat> that, and that's what I mean by when I say that people underestimate the human spirit because it's so devastating to have to go through something like that <clears throat> and then also admit it to yourself and then question yourself yeah. and then look inwardly. Like how many people are honest enough with themselves where they can actually tell the truth? Cause that was the hardest part when this happened. And then later I found out it wasn't just that he left. He was living a double life. He'd been living a double life for seven years. So now I even feel more like an idiot. I'm like, okay, I belong on 2020 or like Dateline, you know, um, it was, it was it, humiliating would be a word, but it's more so like, yes, you're angry at the other person. But what I really had to face, like you said, is the truth of like the person I'm really mad at is me. Cause I had these feelings, I had these knowings, I had this intuition and what I attracted in that relationship was really just a reflection of what I felt when I looked in the mirror. And so I had two, and we all have two pathways when something like this happens, we can blame, we can keep talking about it. We can say they did this to me, or we can say, you know what, it takes two to tango. So let me work on the part that I do have control over. And that's me and how I feel and the decisions I made and the choices I made. And um, that was super empowering because when I started this journey, you don't want, you wouldn't wish any of this stuff on your worst enemy. Like it was not a pleasant experience. I lost my house. Um, he, he kept the dogs. I lost my dogs because I didn't have a place to go. I was broke. I had tons of credit card debt, moved back in with my parents into their basement. So when I started my coaching business, I would literally put a big screen behind me. So nobody could see on zoom that I was working in the basement. Um, but the thing that's powerful about that is if you hit rock bottom, there's not really much else that can scare you. Cause once you survive that, you're like, okay, this whole thing could collapse around me and I know I'm going to be fine. 
That's a very valid, very important point. I don't want to just mull over. Um, <clears throat> majority of people that are listening right now, you know, they're they're in this the twenties to mid thirties stage, and <clears throat> I feel like that's a that's a time period where we kind of figure out like who we are, yes. you know, um, and and discover things that that we may like or dislike about ourselves. Understanding that when you've hit rock bottom, like you said, there's absolutely like the world can unfold in front of you and like what like what's the worst that could happen it's already happened right so it's almost like you gain this like this weird sense of confidence that it's like i don't want to compare it to this cuz i haven't had a you know a near death experience but it's almost like <clears throat> a scenario similar to that where you feel like there's nothing else that could weigh you down like i'm it's all or nothing. Like, I'm going to go for it. Like, what is there holding me back at this point? And once you really can, like, if you, if you can develop a self-awareness to be able to identify that scenario and actually leverage it and understand it, honestly, I think that's where <clears throat> the magic really happens, like with yourself and with many others. When you communicate with people, I guess, what would be like the percentage uh, that you are coaching them with, like, on, on a relationships like situation, like whether it be with their spouse or loved ones or what, or whatnot, like they come to you for like a financial thing. They want to grow their business, but really what's maybe hurting them, tying them down or messing up their head is the fact that there's, there's some tension or, or heartache with, you know, th their loved ones. <clears throat> I would say about 30% of people acknowledge that there's a relationship thing when they first come in. But by the time we go through the coaching together, a hundred percent of them have something. So I would say, you know, I look at life in four areas because we have two parts of our nature. We have the intellectual nervous system. Sometimes people call it the ego. We have this part of our nature that's finite. I know I'm going to live. I know I'm going to die. I yep. don't like to acknowledge it, but there's this very um, safety oriented part of our nature. We're just hardwired for survival. But then there's this other part of our nature and it's spiritual in nature. If that's too woo woo for some of your listeners, this, this part of you, this higher self that can just observe. Well, like, my listeners are love the actually, woo woo. Right. You can just actually take a bird's eye view of yourself. Yeah. yeah. And it's completely outside of you. And that's the spiritual part of our nature. And so for your listeners who are super scientific minded, first law of thermodynamics, energy can neither be created nor destroyed. And you're made up of energy. So it's, there's this part of you that knows it's going to die, is wired for survivability. Let's just stay safe. And then there's this part of you, the soul part of you, I would call it, that just wants to grow and dance and play and explore. And so it's always like we're finding a balance between these two sides of our nature. <clears throat> and so when I'm working with a client who's like, yeah, I just want to talk about business. I don't want to talk about relationships. I know that what we really need to talk about is the relationship. Because we cannot compartmentalize our physical and spiritual energy. It all goes together. So, but to get the intellectual mind behind it, I work with life in four categories, wellness, relationships, vocation, which is your work in the world, your career, whatever you're up to, and then time and money freedom. Cause we know we can make money without working. So I don't link the two all together. And so I always require that if we're going to work together, each client needs to share with me, what do they want in all of these areas? 
because we cannot cut ourselves off from all of those things. So like I said, very probably 25, 30% come in actually thinking they have a relationship thing, but 100% of the time we end up talking about it and making it part of what we do. What is the number one problem that you see when coaching people one-on-one? -on -one? Yep, I would say the number one, this, that's a great question. Um, the number one I would say is people that most of us make our circumstances our God. Yeah. So we look at the economy, we look at what other people are doing, we look at the gas prices, we look at what someone said to us when we were five, and we think that has some sort of meaning on what we can create. And nothing could be further from the truth. So one of the first things I do with clients is condition-driven thinking versus vision-driven thinking. There's not one condition that can stop you from creating something you want to create unless you let it. And the way I know that with 100% certainty is you can take two people with the same circumstance and they have completely different results. Mm -hmm. So it cannot be circumstances. <clears throat> it can't be the economy. It can't be that you had an ex-husband who said you're not a dream girl. Like it can't be that or else everyone that had that circumstance would have the same result. So a lot of the work we do is unraveling this praising of circumstances as if that has anything to do with what I can create and like claiming that I can do anything regardless of that. So it's, it's building this spiritual strength that I don't have to praise the circumstances. I can actually look at the human spirit in me and go, I've survived 100% of the circumstances I've faced. That's the biggest thing. I love that. I, and, you know, you probably don't face a lot of this because you're working with, you know, career executives and professionals, entrepreneurs, what have you. And, you know, their personality types isn't so much a victim like, you know, but I mean, I, at the same time, I don't know, maybe they, they victimize something else. Like, have you ever come across uh, the, this, this victim mentality? Like, I see it in our society today with everything. Anywhere you go. <clears throat> There's excuses and then there's playing the, oh, woe is me card. And, you know, and, and I've seen it personally and I've seen it, you know, outside of, you know, my circle of influence, you see it in media. And it's, it's one of those things that it's really troubling because I think as a society, like, I don't care where you're from, what color you are, what do you love? Who do you think, you know, your gender is and what it is and what you want to be and what doesn't matter. What's important is understanding that um, you can't place blame on exterior things. You can't place blame on anything other than yourself. And in the world that we live in, don't you believe, I mean, not believe, but do you see that as like a recurring theme? Like that's like 90% of what happens on social media is placing blame other than yeah. on themselves. Do you, do you ever run into that with, with the practice that you're doing? And if you do, what's like, um, it's like, uh, I guess, one of the things that you help um, people get over uh, that. Yeah, you, you know, I don't, like you said, a lot of the clients who come to me don't tend to be like 100% victim mode because people invert investing in themselves and their own personal development. Right, right. That in itself. Taken some form of responsibility. But yeah. that's actually a dangerous place to be in, in Why? some ways, because as the hard worker, the person who's always provided for their family, you've taken the responsibility. You don't see yourself as a victim, so you might not even notice when you're getting into that kind of mentality. I see. 
I see. Yeah, so that's actually like a little bit of a danger zone. So let me let me give a breakdown. So the first stage of human awareness is the to me state of awareness. Everything's happening to me. It's the government. It's the this. It's because mm-hmm. this person thinks this. It's looking outside of myself and saying that's the reason for my results. Because this person was president. Because this, that. And, it, and that's never the reason, like I said, or else everybody who had that same circumstance would have that same result. But the second stage of awareness is claiming responsibility, not for what's happening to you. Like I can't, I didn't create COVID, for example. I'm not going to take responsibility for that, but I'm a hundred percent responsible for the experience I have with it. Whether I think it's going to ruin my business or whether I think I can survive it, whether I'm scared of it or whether I just go on with my life, I'm a hundred percent responsible for the experience. So with my executive clients, when they say things like, well, I can't leave my job because I have to provide for my family, that's still victim. That's still saying the circumstances dictate what I can do. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, I guess it's more of a champagne way of saying I'm a victim, <laughs> you know, if that makes any sense. No, um, total, totally. I've, I've actually, now that you're, I'm thinking about it, I've actually been in a position like that before um, where you feel like you're on you feel like you just can't take a risk because you have, you know, to shoulder responsibility and that may be this, that, or the other. And I just found out that that was just an excuse. Actually, a friend of mine told me like, dude, you're just making an excuse. Like mm-hmm. doesn't matter if you're 40 or you're 24, you know, the, 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 di- the dynamics are just going to be altered slightly, but yes, as long as you're doing what you're doing, then you're golden. Yep. So, so like one way that we wouldn't expect to be a victim is like, let's say your flight gets delayed. Like, let's say you're Mm -hmm. traveling somewhere and your flight gets delayed and you're like, oh, my flight's delayed. We get upset and we get angry. That is one way where I could just say to myself, wait a second, I'm a hundred percent responsible for the experience I'm having. I'm not responsible for the delay, but like I am responsible for who I'm going to be in this moment and what I'm going to make it mean to me. And so there's these little places where even when we're no longer like blaming the ex-husband or blaming the politicians or whatever, there's places in us where we can evolve ourselves to even have more dominion over what we're going to let be a thing or not, if that makes sense. Totally. Totally. It's, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the way that I'm perceiving what you're saying is like allowing what we have dominion over, it almost is like what like the amount of so okay for instance like the information that you take in whatever you're whatever you are watching or listening to or consuming on a day-to-day basis doesn't that also alter your dominion 100 percent. because what's going to happen is the way the way human results occur actually is your thoughts create your feelings Mm mm-hmm So sometimes we think, especially in American culture, like feelings are just sexy and they're just happening randomly and like, oh, I feel this today or whatever. And um, actually feelings are just a result of thoughts. So if I think worry thoughts, I'm going to start to feel all constricted. If I think thoughts of empowerment, I'm going to actually feel in my body a physical response that we call a feeling and that's going to guide me. And so thoughts create feelings. Feelings will create actions or inaction most of the time if it's victim mode. And then that creates our results. And so um, if I'm thinking thoughts that are super constrictive to me and I'm creating a feeling around that, that feeling just didn't happen to me. That, that feeling came from the way I was thinking about things. So tell me, tell me the question you just asked me, because right when I went into that, I forgot what my point was about that. 
Oh, just the 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 what we consume can alter our yes. <clears throat> our right. state. So yeah, so you're you have your conscious mind is your only filter. So if you're watching the news and all these bad things are happening on the news and you're just taking that in and consuming it, that gets planted in your subconscious mind. This is reality. Reality is a bad, stark thing. So unless I'm watching the news and I actually consciously say to myself, yes, the news is bad, but I know it's because that sells. And I'm also going to believe that part of the world is good. Then I'm, I've literally just consumed something that's going to become a belief in me because my, I didn't use my conscious mind to reject it. So when I have clients that are like, Lauren, I have to watch the news. I have to go know what's going on in the world. I have to be an informed citizen. I, I challenge them on that because I'm like, is that, is that way of consu consuming really keeping you informed and creating what you want to create? Or is it just getting into your mind and you're, you're thinking, oh, there's so much bad stuff going on in the world. Like what purpose is it serving to you? So when we just like mindlessly consume things, what we don't realize is the powerhouse inside of us is our subconscious mind. And it has to accept everything we consume. And that's what's building your beliefs about yourself and about the world. So you want to start consciously rejecting things that are not building beliefs that are going to help you move forward. I love that. And, and, and I just want to clarify here, like we could take it a step further, like with entertainment or, you know, like, uh, what do you call it? Reality TV, junk TV, cartoons, doesn't matter. Like, I, I think that everything within moderation, but <clears throat> like I, I know that when I spend time watching like movies on a Saturday or Sunday versus during the week where I'm listening to podcasts or courses or anything that is teaching me something, filling my mind, expanding my horizon, giving me to think outside of myself and what I deem to be the norm. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's completely black and white, you know, it's, it's like reading a book every single day versus going to a play back, you know, 50 years ago, that kind of right. thing. Not to say that there is, there's nothing wrong. I think with entertainment, I think you need that, you know, comedy and whatever. Um, but it's the consistency that I find to be what is alarming in people. It's like, I can't believe that people can just sit like during 2020, like how much binge watching took place on right. Netflix and what have you. Um, like I, I was going insane. Like I couldn't do it. <laughs> I just, I just don't understand, you know, like documentaries I can sit through, but even still like your body, your brain, everything needs to move. So what is a piece of advice for someone that like, let's just take somebody that works a nine to five, mm -hmm. they get home, they have some dinner and they just want to watch TV for three to four hours and just completely veg out and disconnect from the world. Is that a problem? You know, I'm not an advocate. I'm, I'm not a type of coach that's like, wake up at 5 a.m., never watch TV again. That's not going to be helpful to you because you're just going to feel all constricted. But I think that's something that I would invite everybody to do, very simple tool, is just notice when you feel super expanded and notice when you feel constricted. So like a lot of times for me, I watch TV, I have favorite shows, I have things I like. And I notice like a half hour, I'll feel really expanded. I'll feel relaxed. I'll feel like, oh, that was good. I, you know, kind of unwound from my work day, but two hours in now I'm not feeling expanded. I'm just sitting there on my phone, the TV's on, and there's nothing good going on inside of me. 
And so one of the best tools we have as this, like I mentioned, the spiritual part of us that can observe us with a bird's eye view is like, let that part of you tap in and go, if I feel expanded, I'll keep doing it. But if I don't feel expanded, what could I do in this moment that would create that feeling of expansion? And when I say expansion, it's like that open feeling that like, yes, I'm on the right track, good feeling, joy, those kind of feelings. Constriction is like stressed, you know, uh, trying, uh, just feeling down. And we can actually notice when we feel that way and we can change it. So I say, if you're watching TV for four hours a night and you feel super expanded and you feel better than when you started it, keep doing it. <clears throat> but if you don't, look for other ways that can cause you to feel those feelings of expansion. That's a really good way of putting it. Uh, never heard it like that before. That's pretty cool. So basically, is it serving you or is it not serving you? And these are the ways that you can identify if it's serving you or not. Yeah. And sometimes <clears throat> sometimes with the new student of this work, or I know me, I am just can be stubborn. Um, if I say, is it serving me? I get a little stubborn, like, well, I don't want to just be working on my goals all day. Yeah. But if I tap into the way, if I tap into actually how I feel, how my body feels and how it's responding to me, and I realize I'm feeling constricted. Now I feel like it's not somebody else telling me what to do or, oh, am I serving my goal? I feel like it's me with a capital M, like that greater part of me giving me a signal. Yeah. And then I'm a little more willing to <laughs> more willing to change up what I'm doing. That's funny. That's really funny. Um, it's like using the right verbiage when I communicate with my wife over something that I dislike. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, that's cool. That's a really good tip. And I, I, I just, it's so, it's refreshing because you know, the, the general consensus is, yeah, most people are like, well, you got to wake up at 5 a.m. and you got to go to bed early and you got to do this and you got to do that. I'm like, listen, bro, everybody's different. Some people are night owls. Some people's, you know, their biological clock, their circadian rhythm, it's, it's different. And they, you know, they excel during the evening and they're, they're tired in the daytime. So you can't just necessarily say, I just don't like the whole one size fits all mantra. I think that's mm -hmm. just nonsense. There is none. There is no one size fits all. No. But otherwise, if there was a one size fits all, God would have made doubles and triples. But notice, like, there's only one of us on planet Earth. So right. it really just can't be a, can't well, be a one size fits all. Even when there are doubles and triples, they're still very different. I have twins. Yeah, 100%. And there's no, they couldn't there's no be... soul doubles and triples. No, no, not at all. And I will say my first year in business, my first year making six figures, I had just uh, been a school teacher and all that. And I had to wake up at five every morning to get to school on time. I had a commute. So my first year in business, I slept in till like nine or 10 every day. I was like, nobody can make me wake up. And I still built a very powerful and successful business. So I'm really not a fan of the one size fits all. I think it's really going toward what feels expansive because expansion creates, creates expanded results. Constriction mm -hmm. creates constricted results. So if I'm making myself do something and it doesn't feel good and I'm all contracted, no good result is going to come of that. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and I love that you said it that way uh, because it just, it's, I want people to listen and I want them to feel like they're not subjected to just this one way of thinking, which is like, you know, the guru, the, the, I mean, Gary Vee tended to oppose standardized way of thinking, but for the most part, most of everybody that was a influencer in the business space, <clears throat> They uh, they tend to have a one size fits all, which I just I, I dislike that mentality. Um, in fact, like you mentioned something that you know you still had a very successful business waking up at nine. Like there's there's a lot to say about 
like used time, like actual productive time versus just busy time. Like you could be working for 15 hours a day, but you've only got three and a half hours of actual work. So like, I always think about like, how can I, what is the best strategy for me to get the most amount of work done in the shortest amount of time period? And, and that's kind of like how I base my day. And if I feel like there's something off, I'll go do something else. I'll completely yes. disconnect. Otherwise you're just wasting. You're just dawdling. I mean, you're, yeah. you might as well go to sleep at that point. Well, you know, we know that hard work doesn't necessarily produce results because all of us have known a lot of hardworking people who never have an expansive result. Yeah. So it cannot just be hard work. I find that it's the way you take the action and the type of action that you're taking. The fastest way to move yourself is to start doing things that scare you. You want to move yourself fast, do the hard stuff, you know, do the thing that scares you, make the call that scares you because that's when you'll have the biggest result. You know, I work with a lot of coaches. Like I, I didn't like, again, I didn't set out to be a coach of coaches, but when someone sees a successful coach, often they're like, can you coach me how to be a successful coach? And the number one issue I see with my coach clients or even my real estate agent clients is they're doing actions. That's like, I'm going to make this perfect looking flyer in Canva. I'm going to go over here and make this PowerPoint beautiful. And it's all sorts of actions that never produce any kind of result because those are not the things that really matter. They're not actions that are producing anything other than, like you said, busy work, yeah. easy things, hide behind my computer and make a pretty image in Canva. <laughs> you know? Spending too much time on a website or a business yeah. card or a logo. And I'm like, <clears throat> when, when I, when I used to have clients and that was like an important thing, I was like, really? Like, why is that important? Why is it important that I have a website? Like I've got 150 clients. Isn't that more important right. than a fancy website? Like, what's the big deal? So it's like, there's a lot of people with that way of thinking and it's, it's mind boggling and it drives yeah. me insane. Um, work on the stuff that actually produces results, not the fancy showy things. Um, and be truthful to yourself that really it's just a fear-based cop-out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. Because you, I, I tend to, yeah, I, God, I'm thinking about that. That is so fucking true. Um, pardon the French. Um, I, I think that, uh, that is exactly what it is. And we use it to distract ourselves from the actual thing that is supposed to be, uh, that we're supposed to be, um, uh, using our time for, which That's is right. production. Yeah. You want to know something mind blowing? Like when yes, I discovered always. this, I want to hear it, it so bad. Blew my mind. Okay. So I'm talking about the subconscious mind. Love and it. if that sounds like super, what does that even mean? No, no, no. We, we talk about that stuff all the time. Psychology, woo, we're all about it. Okay, good. So you've got this subconscious mind. It stores everything, all your beliefs, yep. everything, your parents. But the way that your subconscious mind actually operates is it's a sun airplane, a thermostat yep. in a room. It's measuring for variance and then it's clicking you back into place. So if you're ever wondering, why can't I break out of this habit? It's yep. your subconscious. So if you've been telling yourself for a long time, yeah, I'm not really good with money or ways that that subconscious mind is keeping you at your set point. One of the main ways is delay. So it's not going to show us results. It's going to delay you when the website gets done. Then I'll start calling clients. When I have my logo, then I'll look valuable. And it's keeping you constantly in a rhythm of producing the same results. 